So today, before the kids head out for kids' worship and all that, today we are celebrating Promotion Sunday, so everybody is moving up into their next grade level, and we have something for everyone because you've had a really hard year. And instead of just third grade Bibles and that sort of thing, we really thought it was important to celebrate every one of our students for all that you've done over a really tough year and to prepare for this next year as well. And of course, to bless our backpacks, our, our briefcases, our bags, and ourselves to get ready. And so we're all going to receive that today as we start a new year. Jen, Steph? All right, if all the kids and youth will come join us up front, please. We are excited to celebrate these students today as they begin a new year, a new journey. We want to take a moment to honor them as they enter their new grade. over this way for me. Come over here with the kids. All right, children's ministry, which is birth to sixth grade. Each of you are going to get a new Bible. And I want you to use this Bible as your guide. So, first up, we have Mackenzie Mims going into preschool. Pre-K, sorry. Natalie Mims, also pre-K. I have Connor Baker going into first grade. And Max Morsey going into first grade. And on to the next group. I have Ellery Mims, third grade. Zane Cunningham, 5th grade. Danny Mahano, 4th grade. And Ben Morsey, 5th grade. And then I have 6th graders who are leaving me. I am blessed. Where are you? Bella, come over here. I am blessed to have taught, to have served, and to have loved you. I will continue to keep you in my prayers, and I hope that these devotions that I give you lead you into a deeper relationship with God. I am always here for you, even though I'm not your leader anymore. So, Gabriel, Christian, and Bella. Jen, I hand them over to you. Please lead them, love on them, and cherish every moment with them. And I am incredibly honored to have you come and join us in the youth. So if Gabriel, Christian, and Bella could come over here. You are first going to receive our 412 Youth Bracelet, 
that was an amazing result from our fall retreat last year that says that I am enough. So on those days in school when it's really, really hard and your teachers are like giving you way too much homework and then you have to bring it all home, remember that you are enough. And then if you guys could come and hang out with the youth over here. No, they don't bite. All of them don't bite. Just saying. All right, so now I have the awesome privilege of giving all of the youth some really cool stuff. So I am. Um, what we have... This time is a t-shirt. It is our 412 youth t-shirt that they all said, yes, we like it. And it's blue because that's what you all voted on. And it has on the back of our shirt our verse, 1 Timothy 412. And that is to once again remind us as we walk through school, okay, as you guys walk through school, because I'm not going. But as you guys walk through school that um, you are a representative of Christ and you are set apart for Christ. So we're going to start out with our new 7th graders. We have Bella Pete, who is going into 7th at Metro Christian Academy. We have Christian going to Knox Doss. And we have Gabriel also going to Knox Doss. And then we have our 8th graders. I have Mallory Baker, who's in the nursery. She is going to Heritage. Hi, Heritage. Yes, yes. Okay. Jenna, who is going to Knox Doss. Aubrey, there you are. East Portland. Yes. All right. And then we have our new freshman in high school, Alex, who's going to Station Camp. Yeah. Woohoo! And then we have some new sophomores. Jude, Ju- you're a junior? Okay, hold on. Calla Baker, Constance Baker, and Abby Page, all at White House Heritage. And then our junior, Jude Athanasi, <laughs> also at White House Heritage. So, I'm excited, very excited to have you all in youth. Y'all, here are your students of 2021. All right, this brings us to our backpack lesson. We invite those of you Abby, who... grab the one right in front, the blue one, it's Hannah's, the blue one. We invite those of you who would like to have your bags blessed or yourself blessed for this school year to please join the students up front. Matthew 5:14 Jesus said, "You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp 
and put it under a bushel. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in their house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. When Jesus told us that we were the light of the world, he was giving us a picture of who he wanted us to be. We are Christians everywhere we go. We should act in such a way. And others, and let others see Jesus in us. Because of what they see, they can glorify him. Jesus said we are not going to put our lamp under a basket and hide it. Jesus told us to let our light shine so that others seeing our good works would glorify our Father in heaven. We don't let our light shine so others will say good things about us. We let our light shine so others will see God in us. I pray that you will let your light shine throughout this school year and everywhere you go. This backpack tag is a reminder and an encouragement to be the light. Be the light of joy for a new school year, new ways of learning, and go into the world and shine bright with kindness, patience, energy, and love. May these tags remind you that God is always with you. As you sit, as you stand, as you learn, and as you play, in every fear and every celebration, may you know God, your friend, is always there helping you shine. With God, your light will never go out. And if the rest of us could please stand and join us as we pray uh, to bless these backpacks, but also to bless these amazing, world-changing students. And would you please extend your hands out as we pray for them. So, Father, we just thank you so much for this awesome opportunity to take the time to bless these backpacks and the kids that will be carrying these backpacks daily, whether it's heavy or light, whether it's easy or hard. God, we just pray that you would walk with them as they walk into their schools this week, as they walk into new situations, new stuff. And God, would you bless them and remind them that they are your son or your daughter of God. I pray that they will walk in the light. They will be the light. Lord, we also pray for all of the teachers. We pray for all of the administrators as they walk into the new school year as well. Lord, they had such a difficult year last year, and I thank you, Lord, that they get a chance to do this again. God, I pray for them to have wisdom and encouragement and strength as they walk into these new situations, new places. And I pray for awesome relationships with these students and their teachers and administrators. And God, I pray for all of us parents. As we navigate this new school year with our kids, I pray, and grandparents too, and I pray, Jesus, that as we walk with our kids through this school year, that we would have the wisdom and to be able to help them with the homework, even calculus. And I pray that as we help them with the homework, that we help them through life, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the encouragement to keep pressing forward. God, we honor you, we praise you, and we thank you for these amazing students. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.
more round of praise to God for all of our students and administrators and teachers and parents in the trenches. Thanks, guys. And those heading to kids' worship, I think you know where you're going, so head on to kids' worship. Very awesome. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And for those who couldn't be here or are at home, we will still have these things for you. Hannah's at her mother's this weekend, so she's not here, and so uh, we will get these blessed things to her as well as she starts off on her senior year. The only senior we have, and the end of my educational career. Uh, and uh, so, as far as a 18 and under parent, so uh, that's kind of mixed in that sense. Today we're starting our new sermon series, Geared Up for Life. But before we say that, just a couple of words, and it's not very much, but you saw me wearing a mask when I'm walking around everywhere. I don't have to say anything else, I don't think. Delta's days are not going to stay away from us because we're vaccinated. So we'll have some more information for you next week about what we're going to be doing, but I think you can figure it out. Today we start a new sermon series, Geared Up for Life focusing on the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians contains everything you need to explain the faith in one place. Ephesians divides neatly into two. The first half, chapter 1 through 3, provides the why for our faith. The life we are gearing up for. The second half, chapters 4 through 6, focus on the how of the faith. How do we live it out? And the second half reminds us that faith isn't simply about believing, but about who we are as we seek to live out our faith, making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, which is the mission of the church. And that's how we gear up for that life. So this fall, are you ready as we begin a new journey in lots of different ways to gear up for life? That's the question we're going to be asking every week. Are you ready to get geared up for life? And I think Mitzi probably helped you a lot last week in doing that, as I had no signal during the whole time (laughs) to be able to watch, but I heard some great things. And so hopefully she set you up for that. But let's start by setting our hope. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious God, thank you so much for the chance to be able to dig into this book of Ephesians, this opportunity to see the gospel all in one place. Lord, pour into our reading and our study, into our listening and our hearing with ears that only come from you. And speak into these words of truth and life for each one of us and how we can get geared up in our life to serve you. So Lord, pour into the words that I have to say today and the words you've given me, may they be acceptable and pleasing to you. And everybody, both here and at home, said together, Amen. I invite you to follow along with version and to be able to see all the sermon notes that go along with this sermon today and to be a part of that as well. So when we went out west this past week, which was an amazing trip. We saw lots of different things. 
We saw mountains. That's a waterfall. The thing before it was the mountains. There you go. That's the place that we got to stay. It's like being in the Swiss Alps. We saw waterfalls. We saw rivers. We saw hot pools and springs. Geysers and salt lakes. And as we spent time digging deeper into their beauty, there were so many different details depending upon, save that picture. That's our trick. Don't give it away yet. I know, buddy. Just stick with me. We spent time digging so many different details depending on how you look at each one of them. Now, if you've gone to Yellowstone, you may have not have gotten this view of the Grand Prismatic Pool. Because this is not around the Grand Prismatic Pool. What we learned on our yellow bus tour, those nice, cool, really 1930s yellow buses, he told us was the best way to see the Grand Prismatic Pool is not to go down and go walk around it, which of course was crowded as everything in the world and nobody wanted to go there anyways. There's a trail for the Grand Prismatic Overlook. And we went up that trail to the very top and about died. I swear, I thought I was having a heart attack. I really did. I thought, well, I'm going to die in the most beautiful place on earth and Susan going to drag me back out to somewhere or bear me along the path or throw me in the Grand Prismatic Pool because you'll be gone about two seconds after you did that. Either way, so we got up there. Just turn the slide. Put a picture of us up. Thank you. Now you're all set. The Grand Prismatic Pool is that far away from where we were at, but that was the best view we've ever seen. We've been to Yellowstone before. But I would never trade that view for going back down again. Actually, we kind of laughed when we drove by the place. Everybody's crowded trying to get in, and we're like, ha, 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 ha. You need to go up here because the view is completely different. Well, that's what I want you to do with Ephesians. I want to invite you to do that same thing, to dig down deeper into this letter, to find the streams of living water that will bring refreshment, revitalization to all of us in this world that is weary and travel hesitant. You know, we got two days back they've already closed down everything out west. It's all masks. We are very fortunate. We are a hope-starved people. I can't tell you how many days I go, where is the hope? Where's the hope of the things we will be able to do? Where is the hope of that life is ever going to return back to normal as we're about to go into a whole nother wave? When do we get the hope? The hope of what's going to be able to happen. And the answer to that is is that we're not going to get the hope from the world. We're not going to get the freedom from these. We're not going to be able to find hope in our circumstances or in church becoming back the way it was, or hope in the fact that schools may not do what they're going to do right now in about two months, or the hospitals are going to fill back up on you guys, or everything else, because the hope's not going to be found in any of that. The hope is going to be found in Jesus. The hope's going to be found in looking at things like Ephesians, which reminds us and tells us who we are and whose we are. That's what Ephesians offers to us. 
in the midst of everything else where we're weary and the world is weary and doesn't ever seem to let up. This has been called the Queen of the Epistles. And that's what it shares with us in its story all the way through. And instead of trying to figure out how necessarily to connect each one of these chapters together and read it like that, I want you to stop by the stream, each stream, and let each message speak to you on its own. Each view to stand on its own. That's just one view. That's one view of one place. We saw lots of things. It's almost like yesterday when you get that drink of refreshment in the heat from a single source. Every sip brings life, right? You're just, you know, you turn around, four more cars come by, you get a drink real quick and you put it back down. And you're like, oh my gosh, that tastes so good. Can I get some more of that? Every sip becomes a refreshment. And every sip is good just by itself. We don't want to gulp it. We don't want to guzzle it. We don't want to just drink it down so quickly. And if we get a glimpse of the larger whole, that's so much better. But if we don't, we just dwell in each moment complete in itself by that stream, by that river, by that mountain, by that lake, and just soak it in. We look at lots of mountains, Grand Tetons, Mountains in Yellowstone, glacier even bigger than the Grand Tetons. And every time you looked at a mountain, there was a completely different way to look at a mountain everywhere you stopped to look. A different view, a different view, a different view. That's like Ephesians. So what do we need to know about this letter like Ephesians? Well, maybe that this letter is different from all the other letters. Or that even the name of the church addressed doesn't appear in all the manuscripts. And they sometimes wonder if maybe this is designed to be a circular letter, meaning it was passed from hand to hand, the congregation, the congregation everywhere. Or that we aren't sure who wrote this letter. It does sound like Paul's thoughts, but it uses language and grammar that is unique to Ephesians alone and does not follow Paul's style. Or that this letter is the least personal of all the letters in some ways, which forces us even more to look at the words themselves. Not try to get an attempt to get a glimpse behind the curtain at what caused the epistle to be written. That's enough to wet the whistle of the Johannian disciples out there who like to have that kind of information. And I would encourage all of us to do a deeper dive to see what else is behind the scenes in Ephesians to go to that overlook and get a bigger picture than just the one on the ground. And all of that will help us to engage more fully in these words that tell us the nature of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and a desire, a desire to help others find their way into that relationship with Jesus. And once we know some of the background, then we come back to the question, where do we start? Where's the best place to start in Ephesians? You see, the author, or Paul, 
introduces himself in Ephesians as an apostle by the will of God. Someone sent to bring good news, not by his power, by how much money he has, or how many followers he has on Instagram, or by the divine right of kings, or by the fact he won an election, or the strength of his weightlifting, or his ability to do three half flips and two and a half twists in midair, or break a world Olympic record. I've watched way too much Olympics this week. A lot. Paul retried that. The book of Acts tells us all about Paul's journey. He was climbing the social ladder of the Pharisees, trying to be the best Jewish person that he could be, clamping down the upstarts who thought they had seen the Messiah. Paul had the gold medal for persecution prowess. He was the best. And as we discovered over the last you know, several weeks and months, the early disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And they were gathering temple courts and they were gathering in their homes and daily God was adding to their number. A movement was growing. The Holy Spirit was creating something entirely new, completely unexpected. It was challenging the religious authorities of the Jews. It was challenging the political nature and power of the Roman Empire. Something new was happening. And most of all, it was changing lives and it was opening hearts. Are we still open to that Holy Spirit power today? Or is it a history lesson of how God was active? Because the more I look around the church, the more I look at the world, it's becoming more and more real to me that only the Holy Spirit is going to change people's lives and hearts no matter how we try in the church to do it. Amen? It's only the Holy Spirit. Our efforts are limited to change people, to influence them. So where do we start to hear this life-changing message? Well, we are encouraged to start where the text starts, with good news. Anybody need to hear some good news this morning? Oh, that was, it was weak. I mean, Davis, my friend, needs to hear some good news because we talk all week about the bad news. Who else here needs to hear some good news this morning? Well, here you go. Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in His love. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of His will. Isn't that some good news? We are adopted before the foundation of the world. Basically, it's saying you are blessed. You are chosen. You are part of the family. That's good news, folks. 
That's good news that cannot be taken away. What a declaration offered to all of us as thirsty people in a desert world of failure and exclusion and neglect and disappointment. Good news for those who are struggling with feelings of self-worth or an older person feeling neglected and abandoned by family or struggling like we saw so many yesterday. A parched people of the pandemic who need to hear good news when it doesn't seem like there's any good news out there to be heard. Amen? Of course, it's amazing to hear the proclamation to begin with. Think of the joy it is to be able to proclaim such a word. And the text unfolds and it becomes revealed that this good news is not to be contained in the walls of the community of faith. And yet, how many times do we contain that good news to just us? Not to the world outside of these doors. If you looked into the faces of all the people who came through the line yesterday looking for hope, in something more than you would know or you saw. They're longing for something deeper and better. To the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed on us and the Beloved, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, He has made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Him, things in heaven and things on the earth. What a statement! that we probably just read through and gloss through and get on to where's the meat of this. This is the meat! This is the meat of why. The meat of why before like, we get to the how. The hope and the will of God, the beloved, is that the whole world will be gathered up into the blessing that is covenant with God into a beloved community. And our job, it appears from these verses, is that the whole world will be gathered up to open wide the arms of grace-filled faith and to welcome, to bless, and to adopt into our family all the sons and daughters of God. Amen? But that's our job. Our job isn't trying to maintain something during the middle of the pandemic and make sure that somehow we keep some programs going or make it all happen. Our job is really outside. We're supposed to be gathering ourselves up, ready to go and do that. In Christ, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of Him who accomplished all things according to His counsel and will. This is the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things. And who is the accomplishes all things? Who is Him? Ah, Barbara, the birthday girl. Jesus. Sunday school answer, but still the right one. Jesus. And therefore, our purpose as well.
We who have been adopted are now the adopters. We who have been blessed are now the ones who bless. We who have been included are now the includers. And the circle enlarges. The ripples work out to bring transformation to a world sorely in need of the kingdom to be able to transform the kingdom. Amen? That it's the kin, the kin, us, kin, to transform the kingdom. And it's this part of Ephesians 1 that ends with a promise of nourishment. A reminder that we are on our own as we navigate the discipleship path of our faith journey. In Him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I think at times when I was climbing to the overlook, it was only the Holy Spirit keeping me alive and giving me a jolt. Because I'm telling you, my heartbeat was up at 130. I'm like going, I don't think I'm going to make it. We left Hannah behind because she didn't want to go. We're kind of upset about that. And then at the last minute, she flew up behind us and she had gone all the way up to meet us. That almost felt like the Holy Spirit coming to be a part of us because it was a moment of sheer joy that she would do something for us and come together and we circled around and had this embrace that we'd accomplished this together. Something we thought we couldn't do. We are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. But not promised as in like one day you'll get this if you're good to eat all your vegetables. You ever get told that when you were a kid? If you eat all your vegetables, you'll get this. No, it's not like that. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of His glory. No, this promise is more like you have it. That presence is there. You can count on it. You can lean into it. You can trust that you're not alone. And as you seek out and proclaim the good news of adoption and blessing, the Holy Spirit will be present with you to guide you in all things. Amen? That you're not alone. That we do this work together with each other and with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us. And as a sign of that presence, there is a community that surrounds you and me. And a community that is part inside of us, too. And as Ephesians unfolds, you'll begin to discover the purpose of this blessing. And this inclusion is to do two things. To bring unity and praise to God. That is what all of this is about. To bring unity and praise to God. That was the heart of the early church. Today, we see the praise. But the unity is in the weeks to come, more so in Ephesians. Except, if, if we go back, if we look at what these verses say, we already see unity all over it. You all were blessed. We are adopted. All y'all give praise to God. It's all there. It's all unity. 
It's a together thing. It's a we. So often we try to individualize the faith. We make it our own instead of our own as all the believers see. Our presence, our community, our relationship together. Yes, of course, the individual matters. Yes, of course, each is called and valued and lifted up. But the true impact of the faith is when we participate in the life of the community. If you don't believe that, if you've ever gone to a feed the need or any other event where you've served together, all you got to do is look. There is no way to do the work that was done yesterday individually. That is the strength of the community. When we offer to God even our relationships as a means of witness and praise, as we engage with a hurting world with the balm of blessing, as we bring healing and wholeness and peace, as we do things like feed the needs and other stuff that we do, as we gather together and truly show our witness as one and a spearhead and are able to go out there together, joined as a united force, you see that. And the author of Paul, whoever, says all of this is the result of what? Well, there's a verse that I left out that you may have thought I just skipped over and wondered, why did he leave this verse out? Well, I intentionally left this verse out to come back to it. And it's this verse. So that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1.12 The choice we made, you see, of setting our hope in Christ. That was our choice. Our choice was to set our hope in Christ. We made a decision to do that. That our hope would be in Christ, not in the world, not in each other even, not in the church, but to set our hope in what? Christ. That's the decision we made. Setting our hope in Christ, that this hope is not a thin wish with our fingers crossed and our eyes closed, hoping that something will happen. Instead, it's the purpose behind our living. It's the driving force that moves us out of despair into joy, out of self into relationship, out of the church walls and into a world that needs to hear hope loud. There is no hope out there. It's false hope every time you turn around because it's based on circumstances. It's based on lifestyle. It's based on choices and income and careers. But we set our hope on Christ. So now let us live that hope each day when the days seem dark. See? Because if the hope comes from that, it's so much easier. That is pointing right at myself as much as it's saying it to you. Because all I see for the fall is the hope of more dark days ahead. And it makes me just not want to get out of bed sometimes. Another day dealing with this? 
another season of going back to this and this and this. But if my hope is in that, then my hope really isn't in Christ, now is it? My hope has to be in something, and your hope has to be something bigger than that. Something that continues on no matter what happens in our world and in the context of those dark days. And in verse 15, the author of Ephesians talks about his gratitude for the small remnant of true believers who were willing to be receptive to his message of Christ crucified and risen again. And he says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Because you see, he found people in the midst of his messed up former life, if it is Paul or somebody writing for Paul, who were willing to believe he wasn't crazy or dangerous. They weren't the popular kids at the lunch table. They were the misfits, the outcasts, the mutants at table seven. But they were his people. And they accepted him and brought him in. And then Paul tells us in verse 21, or whoever the risen Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. You see, because the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than the power and dominion of the earth more valuable than money or fame, stronger than any warrior or military might, and better than any goodness that comes from human striving. Amen? That the Holy Spirit, as we lean into that power and presence, can do so much more than we can ever do. Looking at those mountains and at the majesty that was out there, all you're taken away with, which is, wow. And if God can create all of that in its mirrored wonder, then God can do so much more with the human heart and the ability of God's believers to live into their purpose and plan. And that's worth giving up everything else because nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that gives us hope and peace beyond understanding. And when those dark days come, and they will, now, later, years in the future, if we look to that hope, then we find our purpose. We find our why. And we begin to find how to live in that why. So may this journey through Ephesians help us to pack up some things in our bag that we can actually use this year in powerful ways and carry on the journey that we're about to go on this fall and know that we are blessed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So now, let's gear ourselves up.
for life and get ready to go on the next journey. Amen. Somewhat to be called communion, the elements, a means of grace, a, a way of experiencing God's love in a new way, a, a way of experiencing God's love every day. But today is communion, and there are no communion. It's okay. Oh, it's whole, okay. You got a whole script. Chill. Continue. <laughs> Chill. It's okay. I'm listening. There are no communion elements. How many times do we live our lives, as Pastor Jeremy was just talking about, looking for hope mm-hmm. and not being able to see it? Communion so many times reminds us of God's love, but the communion elements are always here waiting for us. When in reality, the gift of God's love and grace is something that we experience in the body every day. As you and I interact with each other outside of this space that is sacred, in a way, we celebrate the gift of God's love whenever we come together. So today, I've asked a couple of our youth group members to remind us that really God's grace is in and among us everywhere. So I've asked them to bring in a gift of celebration, the elements, the sign of God's grace, John Wesley's means of grace, to celebrate that today and to remind us that God is among us and comes from us into the community. In the Seder meal, It is the young people who ask the questions, who remind the people gathered of the significance of why they gathered every year. And the answers are simple. It is to remind us of God's providing of all that we need. And then the story of God's provisions are continually told. So today I'm reminded that as Jesus gathered with his disciples, he had told them that he wouldn't be with them, but the Holy Spirit would be with them, and they're still confused. Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks. Blessed are you, O God of the universe, who brings forth the grains of the field. He broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, and taught them something new. He said, this is my body, which is given for you my gift of love. Do this in remembrance of me. In that Seder meal, there are four cups. And one of those cups is the cup of redemption. Believe that Jesus, that's the cup he held up. When he said to them, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so he was literally telling them they were about to be redeemed for now and for all time as he poured out his life for each one of us. So we invite to this table this morning, everyone, as we gather in this place to do it in the ways we've been doing it and spreading out. And we also want to add a blessing to these elements this morning as we gather together. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour into this bread and this juice we're about to receive to remind us of your great love and sacrifice for us. May your Holy Spirit be imbued into them, into us. May we live out the purpose of Ephesians and hearing the how. And this is exactly how the how came. And you were the why. So Lord, pour into these elements now as we receive them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, both here and at home, amen. So we want to invite you this morning to come forward and to be able to come up as we have done and get your elements and return to your seats. Same with these sections. Go towards the wall. Everybody goes here. Hold on to your elements to get back to your seats. Come forward now to receive this sacrament. some more, it looks like. Thank Roger and Chris behind their congregational care chairs. They begin to take on. I think Ed and Linda need, does Linda need one? She got one? Okay. Everybody, everybody have communion? Mark? They went back to Mark there. Up in the high booth. All right, everyone. One more where? One more. Looks like you timed it out exactly pretty much, Roger. Got one left up here. 
All right, everyone. And everybody at home, with your elements, take your bread, the body of Christ, broken and given for you. The blood of Christ shed for each one of us. Hold on to your cups till the end. There should be baskets out the exits to be able to put those in as well. Here are these words of benediction. It's time to go out, share God's secret purpose, which has been disclosed in Jesus Christ. Share that secret with others by the way you live, with the words on your lips, by the deeds of your hands, with the prayers in your minds, and through the love in your hearts. The grace of Christ will redeem you. The enduring love of God will support you. The friendship of the Holy Spirit will accompany you this day and forevermore. Everybody both here and at home said, Amen. Pick up some produce on the way out, too. We got lots of it. <laughs> Go with God this day. You're dismissed. Thank you.